what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. This episode of the Caregiver Community is sponsored by Pace at Home. During this uncertain time, Pace at Home is enrolling participants who wish to continue to remain at home. Partnering with families, Pace at Home provides caring medical support for all of our program's participants. Visit us on our website or give us a call at 828-468-3980 to talk with a representative that can discuss with you the Pace at Home all-inclusive medical approach. Pace at Home is the champion for seniors wishing to remain in their community. Welcome to the Caregiver Community. This is a place where we talk about the joys and the challenges of caring for our aging parents as well as caring for ourselves. I'm Frances Hall, founder and executive director of ACAP, Adult Children of Aging Parents. There are now an estimated 20 million adult children in the United States and many more millions worldwide who are caring for aging parents and are concerned about their own life as they age. In this podcast, we're talking about considerations and questions to ask when considering a care facility placement. Our interviewee for this podcast is Lee Syria, President and CEO of Every Age, formerly United Church Homes and Services. Every Age is a collection of programs and services designed to support older adults at every stage. Every Age is an industry leader among nonprofit senior living communities serving adults in North Carolina and Virginia. Lee has been with Every Age for 25 years, and her career, her entire career, has been in the older adult services arena. She knows this topic well. With full transparency, Every Age is a generous, sustaining partner for ACAP, and Lee is on our board of directors. Lee, thank you so much for helping us unpack all these things we need to consider or look for or ask about when we are thinking about placing a loved one or even ourselves in a residential community. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Frances. Oh, absolutely. Okay, let's start kind of at the very beginning. Let's start with just a basic question. What are some of the signs to be on the lookout for to know when it may be time to find an additional resource or care facility for a loved one? So there are lots of signs that you probably should be on the lookout for um, that can signal that someone may need additional resources or a care facility. I'd start with when you notice that safety uh, may be becoming a concern. Uh, This is especially important to recognize when you are caring for a loved one who is still living, though, by themselves and on their own. You know, falls are a big risk and also a sign that a person may need more support, either immediately if they fall and sustain a serious injury, but it also can be a precursor to future needs. In addition to safety, I'd also be on the lookout for personal hygiene that's not being necessarily maintained properly or to the level it once was. It may be a sign that they are struggling to um, provide the basic grooming needs that they need by themselves. Um, Another item is medication that isn't being taken or isn't being taken uh, regularly and properly. Um, 
The person's living environment is also um, a good key indicator if it's not being kept in the way that they've always maintained it in the past. This may um, indicate that a person's having some mobility issues and or cognitive issues that are preventing them from keeping their house in order. Um, so these can lead to additional safety issues as well, which is where I started from um, in the beginning and can trigger those falls and things like that that can lead to a serious injury. It's important to note it may just be the small changes at first that you notice, but they are important to note and pay attention to because they can become big issues very quickly. And the need for a care facility placement could become an emergency need. Um, the more time you have to plan for a placement, the better, obviously. And, and certainly, a placement in a facility is one of many options for bringing in additional resources or support. And, and we'll talk about that later or even in a different podcast. Um, but you hit you hit Lee first and foremost on a biggie for me when my mother was still living and I was caring for her and that is safety. And I remember that, that I kind of concluded safety is not negotiable. You know, that, that there are just so many signs that someone can be on that trajectory of not, not being able to care for oneself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so we've talked about um, <clears throat> in other podcasts and, and other ACAP programs, we've talked about sort of the whole gamut of the resources and the supports for someone. But, but in this podcast, we really want to focus on the placement, uh, something outside the home um, where, where a loved one can go and be safe and be, be taken care of. Talk a little, if you will, please, about the types of senior living options that are available as people age and need more services. Um, nursing home, I know, is not the only one. Right. You're so right. The general public who are not in the healthcare or aging services field tend to generalize all care facility types as the same and either use the term assisted living or nursing home interchangeably um, when, in fact, you know, there is a difference between assisted living facilities and nursing homes. They have different sets of state and or federal uh, regulations that oversee them. Uh, assisted living facilities are primarily, you know, regulated by state regulations, while most nursing homes, um, since they accept Medicare and Medicaid funding, are overseen uh, not only by the state, by a but also by a comprehensive set of federal regulations. There are different staffing requirements as well, which I think is important for you to know and understand um, based on the level of care that your loved one or you may be seeking or need. Um, outside of assisted living and nursing home, there are also options of bringing in-home services to support a loved one in their home, either ho through home care services or ho home health. Um, of course, there may be come a time when that amount of support um, needed is no longer uh, able to be provided in the home, either due to the amount of support needed or the financial um, amount that it costs to provide, you know, one-on-one -on -one care in the home. Also, while not an option in all states, there are also uh, programs for all-inclusive care 
for the elderly, also known as PACE, which is a federal and state program regulated by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services and the state Medicaid agency. And PACE allows a person who may otherwise need to be placed in a skilled nursing facility the opportunity to remain in their home with the supportive services and medical coordination that PACE offers to their participants. So there is a wide variety of different options and not one option fits all needs. So it's important for people to understand the various choices out there. Before, as I started the program, it becomes an emergency. People really should understand uh, the array of resources out there. Right, right. And and thanks for for reviewing that whole gamut. you, You touched real briefly on Medicare. Let me ask a question that often comes up, and that is, oh, Medicare will pay for long-term care. Uh, Medicare will pay for assisted living and nursing home, right? And your response is? No. (laughs) Medicare is for, I always try to think of it as Medicare. It is for a short-term care um, stay that a person needs. So a Medicare stay within a a skilled nursing facility, typically the maximum amount of days that person would be covered is 100 days. However, that is very, very atypical um, that Medicare will approve someone to be in a skilled nursing facility under their payment source for that long of a duration. They typically need to be uh, recovering from a surgery um, or an injury and getting um, extensive rehab services uh, to qualify them for Medicare to help supplement that. So it is um, important for people to think about how they will financially pay for long-term services and supports, whether it be in a nursing facility, at home, assisted living, um, and consider the options of what may be available to them. And again, to start thinking about that long before it's needed, long before the crisis point of, oh, mom is in the hospital with a broken hip and needs to go somewhere and she can no longer be at home. You know, so yeah. true. So true. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go a little deeper into the facility piece. What are some recommendations that you have? I mean, you have worked in this your entire career, um, but what are some recommendations for how to go about choosing a care facility, such as a nursing home or assisted living? Well, one, don't try not to do it when it is a crisis situation. Uh, Know the options that that are available in your local community. And I would say the first place is talk to family and friends to see who they may suggest if they've had experiences before with either themselves or a loved one. Also, ask your health care providers about who they feel provide good care. They typically get feedback in here. While they won't necessarily endorse a particular community, they could provide some guidance. Um, Also, you need to consider what is important for the person who is seeking the placement in a facility, such as, you know, is it important for them to be close in close proximity to their family who can visit? Um, Does the facility offer um, specialized care units such as a memory care environment if the placement's needed for cognitive issues? Also, um, there are plenty of websites out there available to help you narrow down the list of options. I would, you know, 
sort of recommend looking at government or nonprofit sites. Um, for nursing facilities, a person may want to start with the Medicare Nursing Home Compare site. Um, all, although, as with any uh, web or internet search, I would also caution to be, you know, careful because there are some websites um, that facilities actually have to pay to be listed. So when you're researching the websites to um, look for options, you may want to just note um, how facilities end up on those websites if they have to pay or not, because if they're paying for um, advertisement, then obviously the website may not be as impartial as a government or nonprofit site might be. Um, you also want to check, you know, to determine uh, what insurance payments the facilities that you are considering accept, um, unless you have the means, unlimited means to pay privately for a long period of time. Um, as we said before, uh, federal and state funding, you know, does have restrictions and limitations to what they cover for a person to be in a uh, facility. But I still go back to most importantly, though, visiting a facility is by far the best way to really get a feel uh, for that place. You know, my part of my background is working in, in higher education. <clears throat> and we always encouraged prospective students to come look at the school, you know, really walk around, talk with students, um, possibly sit in on a class, spend the night if, if possible. And it has occurred to me that looking for a, looking for a facility, assisted living, nursing home, rehab, um, memory care, any of that is a little bit similar that it really does make sense to go visit, to really spend some time poking around, talking with people, talking with the residents, talking with the staff, learning everything you possibly can about the facility. And as you're saying, there are lots of questions. And one of the biggies is, you know, do you want to either do you want to have your loved one close to you or proximity wise, or do you want to be close to your kids? Um, I'm at that age that I'm beginning to think about, no, where, where do I need to be? And, and since I don't have kids in the area where I live currently, it's like, well, do I stay here or do I go closer to them? And, you know, having experienced that with a mother seven hours away from me and knowing the, the struggle, um, the challenges in that, it's, it's yeah, there, there's a lot to consider. Um, and you mentioned the Medicare Compare List. I just want to be sure, is that the Medicare.gov? Yes. Okay. So at the last time I looked at that, as I remember, you sort of have to drill down. You have to really kind of look for that particular part of Medicare.gov, but it is extremely helpful. And typically, if you um, search for Medicare Nursing Home Compare, it'll, it'll pull up the place on the Medicare.gov site that will kind of directly go to that area, and then you can search by zip code uh, to narrow down uh, which facilities may be in your area. Of course, the facilities listed on that site would be ones that uh, participate in the Medicare and or Medicaid programs. So there would be some like nonprofits that may not be part of that, may or may not. Correct. correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And certainly talking with friends, talking with people in in the community about the facility can be such a good, such good information, good insight. Yeah. Yes. 
Okay, so okay, so here we are. We're visiting the the facility. What are the questions that we need to ask, or what are things we need to look for to make sure that this is somewhere that we would want our loved one or potentially ourselves to be? So I think if you have the opportunity to visit, um, as we said, is so important. And if you're visiting a community or a facility, I would look at first and foremost the just overall cleanliness of the um, facility. Um, and then also you do need to look beyond new shiny facilities and just, you know, because there are um, very good providers that may be in an older uh, building. So don't uh, take for granted just because it's uh, new and shiny that it may provide the best care uh, for your loved one. It's important to also notice and look as you're touring or looking around the facility or visiting at the residents that you see and pass. Um, their basic grooming, you know, how do they look? What's their mood? Do they seem content and, um, you know, happy? Um, observe the staff. Um, how are they interacting uh, with residents? Do they call them by name? Do they acknowledge their presence? Do they interact even with their coworkers in a great manner? I think those little things tell you a lot. Um, take note um, as to whether the facility seems, um, you know, relatively calm and quiet and in order, in an orderly fashion, um, because your loved one will be living there 24-7. So you, you want them in an environment that um, is, you know, not chaotic at all times. Uh, notice, um, you know, if overall the facility is free of, you know, unpleasant odors. And then, you know, if you have the opportunity to speak with someone or while you're visiting um, to ask some questions, you may want to ask, A, are they Medicare and Medicaid certified? Um, as we discussed, especially if um, payment issues are, you know, you need to um, be able to address and figure out what your payment plan would be. Um, ask, are there beds and rooms available? Ask them about, um, do they offer specialized uh, services such as memory care? Um, then, obviously, of importance is how is the community or facility staffed? Um, how often is a registered nurse on site? Um, and that can be an important um, differentiator between an assistant living um, community versus a skilled nursing facility, because within a skilled nursing facility, there are um, higher levels of um, time period that registered nurses have to be on site uh, versus assisted living. You also want to look, you know, if someone that you love is going to be there, you want to make sure that if they're able to enjoy the time there, um, that there's a good variety of activities um, being planned or programmed. So you could ask to see um, the, the activity um, calendar um, of events or uh, many times those are posted if you're visiting in the facility. And then you know, for all of us, myself included, food's always very important. So <laughs> I think you would want to um, ask or see a sample of the dining menu, or if you're visiting, um, be able to observe and see, you know, uh, what it's like at the mealtime uh, for the residents. Um, I would also recommend when you're visiting to try to visit um, more than once. And if you are able to do so, do it at 
different times or days of the week um, because you may get a different sense on some of those things that I told you to observe. Um, there's probably a lot more hustle and bustle within the community or facility um, early in the day versus in the evenings. Um, so you just may want to see, um, you know, how it looks at different times. Those are all really good. As you're, as you were talking about all of that, I was thinking, you know, some of the things that I looked for from my mother, and some of the things that people, other people, have talked about, um, and meals definitely was was on my list. Also, going, you know, everybody, everybody has to eat, and let's <laughs> to find out how how do the meals go, and what's the spirit, what's the feeling during those times. Um, and, you know, do they have the capacity, staff capacity, that if, if a loved one needs, to, needs help with eating, is there someone who can do that, who can help with that? Um, and I know that a real fear for a lot of people is that they may run out of money, even if they start as a private pay um, or start, you know, in those whatever days that Medicare would allow. How, what happens when they run out of money? And, and it seems like that would be an appropriate question also. You know, how does that facility handle that? Absolutely. And talk to someone about what the requirements are if you do need financial assistance through your state's Medicaid um, program. And, you know, there are limitations to how quickly you can qualify um, to have Medicaid as your payer source. And so you need to be aware of those things. It's not an automatic or a guarantee right away. Right, right, right. Lee, would you recommend that that if, if people are in a community that has more than one facility, would you recommend visiting several of them to sort of compare? Does that, is that beneficial? I would. I think um, every community is different. Even if the um, parent organization or corporation is um, the same, it really, um, each facility or community, I think, um, comes down to how they are run and operate it. It's really based on the local leadership and at that level. So I think there is a is value in um, visiting more than, you know, one, even if it is uh, the same operator that you perceive, and and certainly I'm going to go back to that uh, to that comparison, um, the Medicare comparison, nursing home comparison. Um, I also know that there are places that rate really well that you get in and go, oh, I don't think so. And conversely, there are places that don't look so good on paper that are really wonderful. And I think that's a, another thing that you get from visiting. I'd agree. I, I don't think you can just look at um, statistics on a uh, government site uh, to make your final decision. Uh, what you said is absolutely true. I would definitely think it needs to be a combination of things. That would give you a place to start, you know, to narrow down maybe um, the list of options within your area. But nothing is more important than I think actually seeing for yourself. I mean, it's just like you were comparing it earlier to a uh, college campus and how important those visits are for incoming students thinking about where they want to go. Same for when you're in um, the middle stages of life and you're thinking about um, home ownership or where to live uh, within a city or a town and you want 
to get a feel for different neighborhoods and, you know, is that right? So it's no, no different than any of those significant life choices we're making. That's a really good comparison. Yeah, it really is. Throughout our whole lives, we are continually looking, making really important decisions. And this is just one of those, just part of the progress of life. Yeah. Um, Something ran through my head a second ago and ran out of my head, which is not not unusual for me. (laughs) Um, Okay, so when think it should be cookies or how or when to get services as as we age or as our loved one ages well i would first and foremost say definitely not when the services are needed are critical um, or do or come due to emergency such as a fall with serious injury Obviously, that happens sometimes and we have to, you know, scramble and start doing the research. And But it makes it more difficult to do some of those things like we talked about earlier, going to visit and um, seeing facilities. You may not have that amount of time. You know, I recently um, was reading a book by Ryan Frederick um, called Right Place, Right Time, which I'd recommend for all individuals in their starting in your 50s, um, or for myself, I'm not, I haven't quite turned 50 yet, um, but I found it valuable, and I think I would have even not being in this uh, field, um, because it really um, lets you begin to think about where you want to and should live as you age. Um, you know, the organization that I lead operates uh, three life plan communities or continuing care retirement communities. So, of course, I'm a big advocate or fan of this type of setting because it offers the most comprehensive plan. Um, but however, you know, life plan communities or CCRCs are not for the vast majority of people due to either um, the financial resources required for this option or simply, you know, because the vast majority of the population, let's face it, prefer to age in place. Um, And what this book that I just referred to, um, Right Place, Right Time, really spoke to is that while the majority of people uh, desire to age in place, the concept of aging in place um, in and by itself is not a plan. So if you choose um, to remain in your current residence or home or location, then you still need to begin thinking and planning for the what ifs of aging um, so that you can be the most prepared um, to make you know, the modifications that you need to, you know, the physical physical modifications that you may need for your home, the financial um, resources that it will take to remain in your um, home, if that's what you're choosing, or, you know, how you would bring in additional support services and assistance as you age. So really, regardless of the setting, Um, that all of us want to be in as we age. We all do need a plan um, for our lives as we age and for our loved ones and to help them and assist them with those plans. So I'd really say really beginning to think about what your plan is in your, you know, mid fifties. I know that sounds young to a lot of people because none of us want to think that we're growing older, but the fact is 
every day, every second, we're all growing older. Um, but to, you know, your early 60s is really the ideal time. Um, you've probably heard, uh, Francis, because you're in this field a lot, that, you know, 50% of um, people born today uh, will live to 100. So it's one thing, um, I think, to simply age and make it to 100, but it's another thing to have a really good life um, for the majority of those 100 years. And to do this, you really do have to have a plan and be able to um, be prepared for it. So I think to truly be able to have the time to ask the questions and or visit facilities, as we discussed earlier, then you want um, to make time to do um, research prior to waiting until there's a crisis, such as a fall with injury. Um, Because when that happens and your loved one or yourself um, has to go to the hospital, then the hospital is going to be looking to discharge you as quickly as possible. And there will be little time to figure out what um, is available, whether it's in-home care or, you know, a nursing facility and which option is the best. Um, So, and if you are um, in that position, you want to be prepared when the discharge planners at the hospital come to you and ask you, do you have a preference to where um, you're discharged to, um, you want to be able to say, yes, these would be my um, facilities of choice, or these would be my, you know, um, home health agencies of choice. Um, But you need to also, I would caution, be prepared to have more than one choice because there's not always um, a bed or a room immediately available at your number one choice if it's, especially if you're looking for placement right away. Lee, can people put their name or a, or a loved one's name on like a waiting list, even though they are not anywhere or they don't anticipate that they are anywhere near uh, needing that placement? Is there such a thing as putting a name on a waiting list? Typically not for skilled nursing facility. We, If someone knows they're having a planned um, surgery, such as a hip replacement, and they're wanting, they know their plan is to be discharged to a care facility um, as opposed to home health or something, um, they can contact like our admissions coordinators and pre-plan an admission um, for that event when it's not that far in advance. However, when it's more of a um, crisis event, it's hard to do because um, the availability of um, whether a facility has a bed open or not varies from day to day. You know, um, and, and a facility doesn't just hold beds open for a, you know, wait list per se. Right, right. I, yeah, I just didn't know how that worked, if, if that was even a possibility. Right. Yeah. You, you talked about being in, that in your 50s, that that's really a good time to start thinking about what's next. Where do I want to go? What is my plan? Even if I want to stay in my home as long as I can, if I ever reach a point that I can't be at home, where do I want to go? Putting that in place, you know, and it occurred to me that we are encouraged to put in place long-term care insurance in our mid-50s. And it's sort of that same, you know, sort of that, that same 
age bracket that, okay, we've passed very possibly that, that big mark of 50, you know, whether that's the halfway mark or, or maybe a little more than on halfway for, for many, but that's kind of the time that, that a lot of us start thinking about, Oh, you know, things, things are not going to always be as they are right now. So, so yeah, that makes a lot of sense to start really beginning to think and look and plan in your 50s. So in your 60s, you really, things are in place. Yeah, I think it goes right along with as you're planning for any other, I mean, most people when they're thinking about retirement, um, they're thinking about, okay, financially, what's my financial plan? How am I going to, you know, um, what's my income source? Do I have enough saved? Um, those type of things. And then it goes right along with that. I think, you know, as you start thinking about that next chapter in your life, which usually, um, although most people tend to be working later and later now, so sometimes it's not till, you know, your late 60s or 70s, but you really start thinking about it as getting closer and in the uh, not so distant future when you are in your 50s. Same thing needs to be thought of for um, long-term care support and services. You may not ever need those services. However, the vast majority of people do at some point in their life, especially as we're living longer. So to just know and be prepared for what is available, I think is so important. And to include that in just your overall, you know, retirement planning strategy um, as you move forward. You know, you're saying that is there, I I think I heard a long time ago that there was sort of a percent, that X percent of people, regardless of what the condition is, are going to wind up needing assisted care or nursing home. Is there any, I, I, I don't think I've seen anything about that recently. I just yeah. want to you. Yeah, I haven't seen anything. I'm sure there is a statistic out there. There is for everything, right? I don't know it um, off the top of my head um, what it is, but um, I do know there's some statistic. I don't know what it is for, you know, people 80, once you're 80 or above that you would need some type of uh, support services, but I can't remember the exact percentage. Sorry, I didn't mean to put it. No, that's okay. okay. I may have known it. You just never know. (laughs) Right, right. You've slept a a day or two since, since you read that, I'm sure. Lee, this has been really excellent information. And this is the kind of information that we hear people ask about so often. Well, how, you know, how do you do this? How do you make these decisions? What do you look for? What questions do you ask? So thank you. Thank you for helping kind of put pull all of that together. Um, yeah, there's, there's just a lot to think about. And, and, you know, I guess the real bottom line of everything we've talked about is, do it now. <laughs> Start right. thinking about it now. Don't wait until it's a crisis. Start it now. Well, and we talked about thinking about it in your 50s, but odds are your parents did not um, think about it. And if you're in your 40s, 50s, or 60s, you probably have um, parents who, or um, relatives, close relatives that are needing long term care and support services. So while you're researching for them, 
go ahead and start taking note of what you need to do and save your children or those that may be uh, assisting you as you age um, with the hassle and go ahead and have a plan and uh, lay it out for them. Right. Give them that gift. Right. Even if you were not given that gift, give them that gift. Yeah. And and what we've realized, like with the symposium, 10% of the people who joined us for the symposium last year were under the age of 24. And I know people in their 30s, um, early 30s, who are the caregivers for their parents. And so, you know, yeah, it's never too early to begin thinking and having those conversations with mom and dad or loved one. What would you want? How would you want this to go? You know, yes, we want to do it a certain way, but what if sort of thing? It's never too early. Right. And we are finding a lot more grandchildren um, involved in the process as well and supporting um, the caregiving role as well. Right. Right. Lee, thank you so very much for, for being here and helping us really understand how do you do this? Um, And thank you to all of you who are our listeners. We hope this podcast has been helpful to you and that you will share it with others that you think may benefit. Before we end, we certainly want to say thanks to Pace at Home in Hickory, North Carolina, our sponsor for this podcast and all of our podcasts. We are indeed grateful for your support. This program is part of the Mesh Network of online shows and podcasts. You may find more of our Caregiver Community podcasts on any of the platforms where you listen to podcasts, as well as our website, www.acapcommunity.org. While you're on our site, we hope you all take a few minutes to learn more about ACAP, our educational programs, and our local chapters. And if there are other topics you would like for us to address as a podcast, please do let us know. There is a place on the, on the website. You can do that. As we say so often in ACAP, regardless of our age, our background, our education, career, or anything else, when it's our mother, our father, our loved one, who needs help, caring for and advocating for that person becomes very personal and extremely important. So please care well for your loved ones, but also remember to take care of you. Stay well. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.